0: are you? I'm it's I'm good. I'd really like to get out of the office before eight o'clock at night. That would be good. I you're back at work this week. Yeah. Yeah. That was it was interesting. The Monday night, somebody with long COVID, except it wasn't exactly long COVID, it was the original COVID two years ago. Okay. And she had a cerebellar or brainstem stroke. Okay. And she's a physical therapist and she last time she was in May and she's in 81 and 10. So she has increased tone everywhere. So for the non-practitioners 81 and 10 increases descending inhibition and softens the muscles and the fascia. So We had done that in May, but we hadn't done a whole lot else for the long COVID stuff, a little bit. And then she came in Monday night with, I'm glad you're sitting down. She came in Monday night with bruises down her thoracic paraspinals on both sides. And it it gets worse. Those were the visible ones because... The physical therapist was using ASTEM with those plastic Graston tools.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sorry, Do you, you okay?
1: I feel nauseated, but okay, keep going.
0: Yeah, you should have seen me. I, my language got very colorful there for a while. And there was a massage therapist or maybe a physical therapist that was using ASTEM on her psoas. And she had endometriosis. She had a laparoscopic surgery and an open myomectomy. She had an open hysterectomy and her tight psoas was what they were working on. Ah. So in our world, that was, let's just do 81 and 10. Okay. And get your leg muscles to stop hurting and to soften up. And then I did scarring in the ureter, scarring the kidney, sclerosis in the kidney fat pad and her psoas, her QLs. And she said, yeah, they're working on my diaphragm. And everybody should know that the diaphragm is where the psoas and the quadratus lumborum meet Mm -hmm. in the back. So somebody's tight diaphragm has nothing to do with the diaphragm. So what nice. got the QLs and the psoas released, all of a sudden her diaphragm was soft and smushy and her trunk moved and her ribs moved. And then everything was smushy. And then I ran the six viral frequencies that are in the respiratory protocol. I found which three of those she liked. So they're 38, 41, 44, 56, 189, and 160. And for anybody that doesn't remember, it was, there was an epidemic in 2000, sorry, in 1914, 15. That was fairly localized. There was an epidemic in 17, and then it became the pandemic in 19. So the list we have from 2022 from 1922 is huh, it was exactly 100 years okay anyway from 1922 had these six flu malignant flu respiratory flu London flu influenza so I ran all of those in the brain parts and the spinal cord mm. and the capillaries and then we sat her up and did scarring in the cord because the only reason she would lose descending inhibition is if the little capillaries that feed the spinal cord descending inhibitory pathways this, yes, she had COVID, which is capillaries mm-hmm. supplied to the cord. So I ran those viruses in the capillaries and then sat her up. And treated adhesions and scarring, scarring in the cord, and the dura. And then she went to move, and she said, "I'm afraid to move." And it's like, "How oh, to fix that?" Forty-eighty-nine. 89. Nine. Yeah. Afraid to move, and she said, "Oh, that just feels so good." And then we did scarring in the cord, scarring in the dura, and ultimately, she got her hands down to her toes. Wow. And we ran increased secretions in her cerebellum taught her to use her thoracic muscles to pull herself up, controlling flexion down to her toes is eccentric contractions of the thoracic paraspinals, yeah. which are now allowed to work. And then concentric as she sits up. And that's why I was in the office until 8.20. Monday night.
1: Well, I get that. So let's unpack some of those stories, shall we? Because you have this way of just giving us so much information right out of the gate. One of,
0: an easy patient for the day.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty straightforward when you have the foresight to unpack what's happening, especially. So when I went to college, one of the first things is when we identified a discrepancy in the back. It was like, okay, make a note of that, but look what's going on anteriorly, because nothing ever happens in a vacuum. Nothing ever happens in isolation. And more often than not, when you start with the abdomen, everything on the posterior side will respond and let go without treatment. Exactly, And this isn't rocket science and this isn't new. This is going back over 20 years of where I came from.
0: And it's where we started it's like we do the supine lumbar practicum because the exactly in the back
1: exactly so deep breath there i and i just want to say disclaimer i have nothing against graston per se when graston is done properly and you can make the scaly face all you want i've had it done by somebody who's very good Actually knows what they're doing. It actually knew what they were doing. They didn't leave me bruised. But more often than not, especially when I was practicing in Canada, I was like the cleanup crew because people came to me from all different types of practitioners really banged up and for no good reason either. It made no sense to just create this pro-inflammatory response when they were inflamed in the area that they were grasping and it had nothing to do with the problem that was tight, but that's a whole other podcast. Anyways, going back to the soas people need to realize the soas attaches onto the lumbar
0: spine it is an upper lumbar extensor and a hip and trunk flexor, flexor. right yes so if you've ever done a cadaver workshop
1: you have to realize the amount of tissue. And those of you who are listening on the podcast, I have my hands creating about a foot of distance. There's a lot of stuff you are trying to access with your hands manually to access their tight psoas. And I'm saying all these with air quotes because it's often not necessary. And I'm not saying hip flexors are never not tight. I'm saying hip flexors never get tight from outer space to borrow your phrase. Absolutely. Hif flexors are responding to a biomechanical issue somewhere, a structural issue somewhere. So when you think about what's on top, and I get it, not all of us are skilled in the viscera, especially because you learned it your first year of college, but then you unpacked it because you needed more room for the other things you could actually treat with your hands. Get your netters out and open it up. And even if you just look at the viscera that sits on top, And you get the history and then the history and the pictures should start putting those little blocks together so that you can treat the ureter, go after the uterus, go after the omentum, the capillaries, something, because it's never the psoas.
0: Never. It has never. Once it figured out scarring in the ureter. Yeah. And that was me with 40 years of people telling me that I needed to stretch my right psoas because my right psoas was so tight. That's why my right hip joint needed replacing first. Sure. But I had a wicked kidney infection on my right kidney when I was 21. And the massage therapist used FSM when I was 50 something. So it was 30 years. She's the one that... Mm -hmm thought that doesn't feel right. Ureter right there. And she's the one, Kate Adams is the one that did scarring in the ureter. And my whole psoas let go and all the chiropractors that adjust your pelvis and tell you that your one leg's shorter and your pelvis is torqued and all that. Soon as the psoas let go, my pelvis was all of a sudden even.
1: Amazing. Right. Our body, we have to have faith that our bodies don't want to be to borrow your phrase again, cattywampus, right? If we just give the tissue permission to let go and guidance, things fall into place a lot easier. And I think, so again, I got all the lists going. Today is our Thanksgiving day special. This is our theme. And one of our, the best favorite podcasts that we had last year was our Thanksgiving day special. Cause we were talking about all the things that we're grateful for and all the feelings and all the stuff. So One of the, one of my prompts, one of my questions I was going to ask you is valuable lesson that you have learned. And it doesn't have to be within the last year, but I'm going to start with that just because we're going on this train. FSM has my FSM education and my FSM mileage. The lesson that I am so grateful for is the, the newfound ability and passion to keep asking why. To not settle with the hip flexor is tight. There's restricted hip extension. That's where I would have stopped and been happy, but why did it get tight? Why is it scarred? How did it get like this? This is what I'm grateful for. Exactly. Yeah. It's like brain candy. Or- it's the. I'm sorry. And you're welcome because thank you for that. But man, it, it is impossible to go back to how we used to treat before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you can't go. And then the others, the story that goes with that is explaining, I see three patients a day. So six times in the last two days, I've explained that the cerebellum does not notify you that your ureter is stuck to your psoas. You don't need to know that. It does not notify you that your diaphragm is tight because the psoas and the QLs are tight because the ureter and the kidney are adhered. It doesn't negotiate. It doesn't say, it, you can't negotiate with the cerebellum. Oh, yeah, that's, that is a corollary to what you said. And I got to thinking, cause I knew you were gonna start with, what are we thankful for? Oh, and, there's a whole bunch of things. Oh, list is huge. Yeah. Indoor plumbing, dish soap, toilet paper, cinnamon, Amazon, all those things. Yeah. But the odd thing is when I was in my 20s, I read a book that said that the theme of the whole little book was say thank you for everything. Wow. Even the bad stuff. Because if you believe that there is a higher power or even if it's your own soul or if there's a higher power that has in mind for you the best intention then even what appears bad at the moment becomes inconvenient appears bad at the moment but in the end it's going to result in something good right so when you look at my met my medical and surgical history. If it wasn't for FSM, I probably wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for really good functional medicine interventions from various people, Mary Ellen Chalmers, David Musnick, Roger and Neil Nathan, right? I wouldn't be here. And the things I've learned by being so beat up and injured. In my 20s, I was a runner. I did my first Outward Bound course when I was 28, my second one when I was 29, my third one when I was 40. And for those of you that don't know what Outward Bound is, it's outdoor school. With rock climbing, mountain climbing, I did the Outward Bound in Colorado when I was 28 after my divorce because I was afraid of heights. And our projects were that course included rock climbing, rappelling, and climbing our 14,000 foot mountain. Wow. And so we're walking across this snow face, so we're crossing it. It's about, I don't know, 60, 45, 45 degrees. And there's nothing but air between me and Utah. And Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of 13 people roped together, all of us with eye sauces, all of us with crampons. I'm completely safe. And the bottom drops out of my stomach and I'm absolutely terrified. And it's okay, it'd be really bad if I just sat down on the snow and threw up. So that's not gonna work. And then you ask yourself, what are you afraid of?
1: Right?
0: Oh, as we're walking along one step at a time on this snow face, and it's late. I'm afraid of the feeling of falling that I imagine when I look out from Colorado to Utah.
1: Right.
0: Oh, well, I can change that. So I was an athlete, rode horses mountain climbed was a runner, had kids, did all that stuff. And then got exposed to mold when I was 47 and started practice. I haven't been healthy since. But you keep on keeping on and you find out how to take care of yourself and how to find a purpose that drives you through feeling like you just want to Stay in bed all day. Yeah, I can't stay in bed. I got some stuff that I'm really passionate about. So, all of those things become a learning experience that lets you, it gives you a tool to guide patients. Right. So, you ask a chronically ill patient or a patient that's been really injured for the last three or four years, and they're really frustrated. And it's, what would you do if you got better? So, they can create a vision. Yeah. How do I know to do that? Cause that's what I had to do for myself. You have a surgery and it's pretty awful for six weeks and then 12 weeks. And then you treat it with FSM and you learn how to treat a shoulder because I had my shoulder broken into six pieces. So I guess the thankful message for me is be thankful for all of it.
1: Yes. That again, you, can't just give me one nugget to unpack. You give me about 10. So I have to make mental notes. Otherwise I'm scribbling as you're talking. And that, that was like a segue to another question that I had. It was, we have many things that you can reflect on that you were once unhappy about that. Now you reflect on it and you're like, Oh, I'm so grateful for that turn of event. And when you're in it at that moment, it's you're in the pit of despair. You, you can't see the forest for the trees why is this happening to me? And then weeks, years go by and you're like, oh, thank goodness that happened because exactly. Right. I didn't get into any vet school that I applied to as a senior in high school. Not one college would take me doom and gloom pit of despair, had a total life altering car accident that brought me into the world that I'm in now. Thank goodness any vet school wouldn't take me. I would have never met my husband. I would have never had these kids. I wouldn't have met you. The list goes on. So I think for patients that are listening, and I know we have a lot of patients that are listening to this podcast who are in chronic pain or have these very unexpected changes in direction. Sometimes as hard as it is, we just have to sit with it and have faith that things are unfolding exactly as they should.
0: Thank God I didn't get into medical school.
1: There you go. I think you still would have found this, though. I really do.
0: I, I would I, never have met George. Would never have. It, there would never be FSM. And it's it, thank goodness. And then, it's really interesting. My sister has a thing that she says every time the wheels come off. Yeah. So I had an employee that embezzled from me, and she left. And then we got a new employee, and that person was good at computers. So she's started actually our website and then when she left and that was a something of a disaster then we went to somebody else and my sister said carol every time this happens every time somebody leaves and you don't know what you're going to do and it's like you're free falling through space every time somebody leaves you take a step up it creates room for something better so like the advanced is our faculty has improved so much in the last 2006 right that many years and we find treasures in practitioners that i never would have found before same thing right. with office staff yeah yeah it's like there's kevin yes it Anyway, so if, if you can remember that when yes. you're in freefall, just hear my sister's voice in your head that says, "Every time you do this, it's to create space for something better." I better leave right. so they grow, huh? So I better leave so you can grow. <laughs> Don't even really? say that. No, <laughs> it's not time yet. <laughs> yeah. But Kevin just said, I better leave so you can grow. So, no. Kevin, it.
1: don't even joke about that. That's not even funny.
0: Yeah. Just don't say that out loud. <laughs> but the, yeah, and the trick is to remember it when you're in the middle of it and division it and help create it.
1: Yeah. That's, it's an ongoing life lesson that I think most of us struggle with, right? We're humans. You're going to be reactive. You're going to have that temper tantrum, pit of despair, And then you have to breathe. And then, like you said, you have to get up the next day and keep on keeping on. You've got families to take care of. You have jobs to go to, dogs to walk, and life just keeps pushing us forward, doesn't it? Isn't
0: it cool? Yeah. It's
1: very cool. I want to switch gears for a second and talk about some of what the year's best or most grateful frequency pairs have been for you. Okay. I'll let you start. I've got my list ready because I make the list. So I have more time to prepare my numbers.
0: Yeah. It's like, for me, it's one twenty four and 77 and. Torn and broken in the connective tissue to people who need translation. And for tendinopathies and Ehlers-Danlos, I have an Ehlers-Danlos patient that had one treatment in May and that's it. She's one where it's been permanent. Everybody else lasts about a week. Sure. For her. There's that. Well thing that's persistent with her is dural adhesions yeah. and spinal cord adhesions. The other one is 81 and 10, increased yeah. descending inhibition to soften yeah. the muscles and soften the fascia. That's pretty fun. Yeah. And then the flu respiratory. Yeah. Treating long COVID is like not even scary anymore. It's just yeah. the, the fatigue is... All the viral frequencies in the immune system and that, and then the sense of smell and then whatever. Yes. Those, as you talk, I'll probably think of other ones and go, oh, yeah, that one too.
1: Okay, but- I'll give you mine. 49 and 142 is going to be, I feel like kind of like David Letterman. I'm going to go backwards, forwards here. So, increasing the vitality of the fascia has been one that has pleasantly surprised me across the board. I used to use it a lot at the end of a treatment. I've been learning to start with it in certain instances. I use it a lot with movement and recovery strength training. As we're learning more and more about the fascia and how it's innervated, I think we're going to be learning even more in the next few years about how we can manipulate the fascia in ways, as far as like recruitment goes and getting it on board neurally with what we're trying to
0: achieve by MSK treatment The nervous system. Correct. 40 and 89. Tell the hippocampus, just relax. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Tell the limbic system to take a nap. Increase secretions in the cerebellum to coordinate the fascia. That's but right. But then you have to go up to the sensory cortex because the sensory cortex initiates movement. Correct. It goes from the sensory cortex to the hippocampus or the limbic system, to the cerebellum, and then to the fascia. Absolutely. And the fact that we can manipulate the whole train Yeah. is oh because if you increase vitality in the fascia, no offense, without and the limbic system is still terrified to move it, lost descending inhibition. Yes, it can be vital as it wants. But for sure. In a healthy and recovering patient with a an integrated functioning nervous system. Then treating the fascia by itself is yay, but yeah. we can manipulate the whole chain. That's right.
1: My number one was forty eighty nine, but I started with the one that I like, Wait, yeah. whatever. So forty eighty nine is has been the big one this year for me, especially. Like you yep. said, all the extremity biomechanical Emotional. stuff that is happening has to be initiated and started in the central nervous system. So I, like you said, I don't care how vital the fascia is, if the coordination, if the inhibition, if the lack of coordination, all of the fear of moving, however you want to say it, the emotional component of it, if that is not taken care of, it doesn't matter how clean the muscle is, how clean the fascia is, how smooth the nerve peripheral nerve is. It doesn't matter. So you have to, and I don't even think you always talk about, oh, I'm so neurocentric. I don't think it, it has anything to do with that. This is just physiology.
0: Thank you. I feel much better now.
1: Right? Yeah. Honestly. And I think the longer you're in practice, the more you can pick up on how quickly and how important it is to start with the central nervous system. When you have patients that are just taught talking about their story, Right. Hardly anybody is gonna be stoic and just objectively give you the facts. There's going to be some emotion. There's going to be fear. There's going to be anger, grief. Like there's going to be something. Trauma is my other one of my top threes that I'm going back to see. And again, it's no fault of you. You do a phenomenal job at the core. Like these frequencies are in there. There's multiple slides, but You get, once you start practicing, you have your favorites, you have your go-tos, you're making smush, you're making change. You do drive-bys on them, but I've been sitting a little bit more with 294 and 94 on A and seeing the value in, so this is trauma, nerve trauma. I've been seeing the value in that component a little bit more as well. It's been interesting.
0: And the other thing with because I tried that with somebody that had public floor pain, and just okay. did a drive-by on trauma in the uterus, trauma in the bladder, didn't work, but it was worth a try. Yeah, the clue about forty and eighty-nine to quiet down the limbic system is when the patient talks about Trump things that happened. Yes, 15, twenty years ago. And the way they describe it, or the emotion behind it, was, is as if it happened yesterday. And it's right. present time. So the other thing I've done this year that I don't think I've ever done before, because this is the first time I've had a clinic with nine machines in one room, is there have been patients where I start with 40 and 89 from neck to feet just because they are so centralized and quiet down the spinal cord 40 and 10 to quiet down cord pain pathway sensitization, speaking of faculty, and then 81 and 10 to soften the muscles peripherally. And that's three machines right there. And then you can do the supine cervical practicum and work on their neck. Yeah. And then that's easy. Yeah. And it's just pretty fun.
1: Do you think, I'm trying to think how we found out 124 was time dependent. Do you think we're going to have more and more frequencies that need to just run longer and
0: longer? I hope not. (laughs) Really inconvenient. 81 and 10, 40 and 10. Yeah. Take 60 minutes, 124 and 77. Yeah. Takes 60 minutes. We found that out when yeah. I was on Cipro or fluoro- one of the fluoroquinones, Leviquin, for pneumonia after my open heart surgery. And I tore my Achilles after my left hip replacement, Achilles tendonopathy. And I had it for a year and I ran inflammation and chronic inflammation around tissue and I. Treated it, and I was back on a cane for 11 months, twice a week until I gave up. And then Kathleen Kasman and I are sitting there at an exhibit, and she starts to work on my ankle and my Achilles, and she said, oh, that just feels yucky. And she put 124 and 77 on for no good reason. We'd never used it that way before,
1: 91.
0: Yeah. Never used it that way before. And it instantly the pain went down, but she just kept working. We were talking, and 60 minutes later, my Achilles was normal size, completely um. pain free, and it never came back. So that's how we learned it was time dependent. And then two years later, Diana Cross came up from Australia and explained why it's time dependent because of a. Everybody knows about DNA. I knew about messenger RNA and transcription factors and then DNA, then messenger RNA. I had never heard of micro RNA, which is messenger. Yeah. Is what makes the stuff that you put out working on repairing connective tissue. The micro RNA is not gonna do that in four minutes right it's the microRNA has to build connective tissue, and so that one's an Alf says elaborate and time dependent yeah, time dependent means it has to run for at least sixty minutes, but in the mice, the Australians found out in two thousand and three when we did the arachidonic acid, mouse ears, 40 and 116 research, I was running 40 hertz for one or two minutes. The Australian found out that half of the effect was there in two minutes. The full effect was there in four minutes. And if you stayed on it longer, it didn't produce any additional improvement. I figure people are big mice. So sometimes on a personal run it for eight minutes because right. big mouse. Yeah, that's 40 and 10. We found out in 1999 that it takes 60 minutes to get a cervical trauma fibro patient out of pain. It just takes that long to go from a seven to a zero and 81 and 10. That also takes 60 minutes. It starts working right away, but it isn't finished for 60
1: minutes. Can I and I'd like to interject when you're using these time-dependent frequencies, it's not like you need to run it for an hour for them to get pain reduction. When it's indicated, the pain will drop almost within seconds, but the job isn't done yet. So that's that's the little caveat there is that and that you even said that you're like, oh, what is that? The pain is gone, but you keep that torn and broken, that 124 going to improve the repair of the tissue to finish it
0: because to otherwise it. it comes right back as soon as you stop.
1: Yes. So yeah, those are the top ones I think for, yeah. and we're learning all the time. And that's why the symposium is such a amazing component of the, our learning curve is because you get to hear the stories and the cases of people using the frequencies and how they're using them, because I think that's the important part is using multiple machines, sharing that information. How are you closing the case? That's always the important component to me. I don't care all the magic that happens in my clinic, but what happens to the quality of life when they leave the clinic? Like how long are the results lasting for? So like the Ehlers-Danlos cases that are coming coming in is really interesting to me because will it last a week? will it last a month? Is it permanent? Do these patients need custom cares? I think they do, but yeah,
0: there's, yeah. And the thing about the symposium that is the most exciting to me is I got FSM started, but the frequencies are what keep it going. Yeah. Case reports are There are people treating things that I'll never see. Yeah. And they treat them all the time. We found out from Maggie Kaufman how to treat interstitial cystitis in 2005. Wow. Yeah. Three. And now I see is not that hard. And it is. And it's the case reports that are presented at the symposium. I think we have six right now. Right. Six or seven. And then I just got a text or an email from Ben and Dave, and I've got to figure out how to schedule you three.
1: I didn't realize I was invited with this group. I'm not sure if I feel worthy enough to stand up there with those two, but.
0: Ben and Dave about that. And they're they're the one that says, yeah, and Kim has to come. That's
1: very nice, but it's almost pretty good yeah and it's one of those things where it's an honor just to be nominated but i'm not sure that i have much to add to that conversation between the two of them i might just let them
0: yeah we'll figure it out and so at some point i have to get home before eight o'clock at night so i can finish absolutely finish the schedule and get everybody plugged into everything but yes then and dave agreeing on what they want to do in what order where now we're pretty close to final it's pretty exciting
1: Ready for some more questions? Sure. So this one is paradoxical because it goes against what we had started with, but I'm going to ask you, is there a skill or lesson you wish you would have learned earlier?
0: Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All of them. (laughs)
1: but we just finished saying like everything happens in place for a reason. And so when I, when I think back to my biggest lesson is to not accept the diagnosis, to not accept the assessment for what it is, to ask more questions, to dig deeper, to do more research. I feel like had I had done that in the early years, I don't know if I would be in the same place. So just when I get spiteful about damn it, why didn't I learn about the amygdala or think about it more? I don't know if I would have appreciated it or been in the right spot to utilize it. How about that?
0: Yeah. And I feel bad about the way I taught FSM. <laughs> I really feel like I didn't learn to teach it until about three years ago. You always say that, but yeah, and I know. It's back in, I started in 97 and then it was really horrible. At <laughs> Ten-year mark in 2007, I found the whiteboard awards that I gave out in 2007 to the people that had been with FSM when it was on a whiteboard or a chalkboard. Wow. That was hard because I didn't even put it on slides until 2003, and they were really pretty terrible. And uh, back then, I thought I was teaching frequencies because all we had was a manual device. And most of us, we only had one. Then we added the auto care. Then you could have two. And it wasn't until when did I start? When did I put in that slide? The purpose of this course is to teach you how to think. Oh, that was about uh, years ago, right? Four Four years years. ago, five. Yeah.
1: I know COVID took a chunk of time away. So I want to say about five years ago, I
0: think. Yeah. And I think it was when we were stuck in the COVID period. It was actually... We were in that little film room and the core was all on video. But I got to watch it and see it and find out. This is about teaching people how to think when they have frequencies as a tool. Because you can look <laughs> the frequency and you're going... And as a result, people m- are memorizing them or learning them much faster in the practicums.
1: Because you don't have to memorize the numbers, like that will happen. You'll, and there's many numbers that I never remember. I always have to look in the buddy or look in the laminate because it just doesn't stay in my brain, but it doesn't matter because that's not the important part. The important part is the synapse that happens, the questions that you were asking to provoke what could be going on. Figuring out the number is the least of your concerns.
0: TTH. I have never memorized them. Who needs to?
1: Because you're not there pushing it on a precision care anyways. That's on the custom care and you're doing something else or it's running in the background or.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, there are, what is that? There's a phrase. It's like, everything happens at the perfect time. Yes. So I started in theater when I was 12, I was in the seventh grade. And then I did theater all through high school, all through college, in my early, late 20s and early 30s. I was in community theater for two or three years. And then when I was a pharmaceutical rep, they videotaped us doing presentations Hmm. every three months at sales meetings. We'd have to videotape a 20-minute presentation and then critique it. So all of those, and then being a pharmaceutical rep, and then, so all of those things had to be in place before I was completely comfortable standing up in front of any group and doing a presentation. Right. When I was in college, I took acting one and acting two. Acting one One of our teachers was David Ogden Stiers, the guy that played Charles and MASH, and he's just been everywhere. But one of the exercises was to sit in the center. So the class was maybe 14 people. And you sat in the center, cross-legged, looking at the person in front of you. Nobody talked. And you had to make eye contact with the person that was in front of you. And then the circle moved. So you made eye contact without talking for 14 minutes. Wow. And there's no place to hide. And David was trained at Juilliard. And when you're lecturing, People can tell when you're being real and when you're not. And when I was 17 or 18 years old, David Ogden Stiers taught me how to be real as an actor, as a presenter. So I went from acting to presenting. And that, plus all the presentations to medical physicians, made me... That had to happen before I could do what came next. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. So again, yeah, like the lessons we wish we would have learned before, we just, we weren't ready for them. That's how, what I'm going to go with. Otherwise, we would, li- otherwise, I would probably walk around being a lot more spiteful and resentful than I care to be. Oh, yeah. That when. And I haven't had nearly the mileage that you have teaching, but when I think about the first FSM sports course in Arizona that I taught, Matt, I want everybody to come and retake it because like you said, it gets better. You, and this is going to be my segue to this piece of advice question. My next prompt is going to be, what is a pivotal piece of advice that you are grateful to have received? Mine always is what you told me before I presented at the first advance because I was a nervous wreck. And it's this, like you talk about your ground round stories and it was like the same thing. What do I have to say? Like, How could little old me get up there and talk about this stuff? And I had all these slides and I had too many slides. And you said, and you've said this to people before, what you want to say has nothing to do with what they need to hear. In order for them to learn
0: what you want to teach
1: them, what you want to teach them. And that sticks with me day in and day out, how I speak to my kids, my dog, my patients, <laughs> honestly, yeah. because I want to look my dog in the eye and say, are you crazy? Like, why did you just eat that? But he doesn't need to hear me say that string of sentence. He just needs to me to hear no. And I'm oversimplifying, but that piece of advice is phenomenal. And it's going to be a segue into my next thing that I want to talk about, but I'm going to ask you first what your if there's a piece of advice that you've been given that you're most grateful for.
0: That one for sure. And that was at a train the trainer's class. Yeah. Or this man that like that lectured to people who are lecturers. Okay. That I sat through that class for six hours and that's the one takeaway. So that's the other thing to live with is that you can lecture for eight hours and they're going to remember 10 to 20% of what you said. If you're lucky. Yes. If you get one thing, then you're good. Actually the one that has made the most difference in my life is my mom said mm-hmm. she had a very difficult life, Oklahoma, Salinas, alcoholism recovery and as she got up towards her 70s she said carol everybody does the best they can at the time with what they have oh it still makes me misty
1: because
0: you look back on the stuff that you screwed up or you look at the people who have been who have treated you badly And then there's that voice in my ear. They didn't do it to you. Don't take it personally. Everybody does the best they can at the time with what they have. Yeah. And that's that and the four agreements.
1: Oh, yes. My, we've got multiple copies of that book and my teenagers have to read it when they turn 13, if not sooner. Yes. Yes so that was another prompt about a book but welcome and i'm sorry <laughs> you're welcome and i'm sorry those are amazing pieces of advice right there jeez when we're you and i are collaborating one of the things i'm most grateful for is i think how well we can respectfully disagree with things like we can share information you give your perspective i give mine we come from very different camps but we can collaborate, share ideas. And I wish there was more of that. In my world with sports performance and professional athletes, there are so many egomaniacs that think they have the one answer to fix all of the problems. And one thing that I am grateful for teaching the sports course is seeing these people come through on the first day and leaving quite different after the second day, having a little bit more of an open mind. And I think that is a trait that as a society, we, we should be promoting. Let's have differences of opinion and respectfully agree and come together just for the greater good. Yeah. Going back to the piece of advice that that I love so much about what you want to say has nothing to do with what they need to hear. That's been a big lesson I've learned this year is speaking to patients differently. So if a patient is a senior citizen, not very active, but once was an athlete to go back to that inner athlete for cues and coaching. And I just found that it's just been a huge turnaround. If they can go back to that time where they could move, even with car accidents, motor vehicle, anybody who's been disabled, that inner person is still the same and they still learn the same way. And even though I want to cue something and teach them something that is not what they necessarily need in that moment. So that's been a, that's been a big thing for my last year is learning that.
0: And there's a corollary to that. Exactly. And that is a conversation I have with a patient that I guess this is the third time I've seen him. He has MS. He's in a wheelchair with a joystick, no lower body movement. His upper body left hand works pretty good. Right hand, not so much. And, but he's, he found Joe Dispenza and he's had an enormous amount of early childhood trauma and emotional trauma and abusive people in his life. And now he's 50 and he's had MS for, I don't know, 15 years, 20 years to have this kind of progression. And he said my goal is to get up and walk. Mm. As we've talked, FSM, his, the grip strength in his left hand to start was 35 pounds. I treated him six weeks ago. He came in and his left hand grip strength is 45. He came in originally and his right hand grip strength was about eight. And this time his right hand grip strength was 25. Wow. So big improvement physically. Yeah. But he's become more in his emotional recovery and in claiming positive outcome for himself. What we got to this last session, as I'm treating him in his chair, we run PTSD on the magnetic converters in a separate room, but when I'm treating him, what we came to was what you can do physically. Doesn't have anything to do with who you are. The most, I said, you've already done the hard work. You've done the emotional recovery. You say to yourself out loud, I love you every day. You only have people in your life who are positive for you. And you make positive choices for yourself. You choose to be happy anyway. All of that. And I didn't say to him, I don't think there's any way you're going to get out of this wheelchair. Came to was who he is inside now that he loves himself and his soul as a person, his person as a soul gave him MS so that he could learn that. He was determined to walk again. He might never have learned this lesson. Yeah. So the only way I can make sense of the chronic pain patients that I see And the disasters that I see walk into my world for the last 25 years. The only way I can make sense of it is we get them out of pain. We get them their lives back, their physical lives back. And that's the point at which I tell them, okay, you're out of pain now. And... The only way I can make sense of what's happened to you in the last 15 years is there are things it taught you that you could not have learned any other way. Yeah. And they look at you like you're, you've got two heads. Yep. You say, well, do you have more compassion than you did? Oh, yeah. Empathy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Understanding. Yeah. You found out the world's not going to come to an end if the dishes are in the sink at night. Oh yeah. Yeah. Would you have learned that? Compassion, understanding, compassion for yourself, compassion for others. Would you have learned that without this inconvenient period of suffering? Absolutely. And that's the only way I can make sense of it.
1: It's funny. So I had a piece of advice yesterday. I was talking to somebody and they said, Kim, the path to success is very rarely the linear line that you have in your head. No. It deviates more often than you can count. And it's true. We think we're going to go from A to B and it's going to be this nice crystal clear line, straightward upward trajectory. And it is not at all like that. It's like um,
0: your that you show.
1: It is. It that is perfect. And I put that slide up there because at the end of the course you are fried and some people have that panic looked in their eyes. Like I am never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to be able to remember this, but it's like, no, you're going to leave and you're going to fix everybody for about three weeks. And then it's all going to go downhill and nobody's going to get better. And then it's all, it's just, you're going to learn something else. You're going to fix something out and it's all going to be great.
0: I tell them three months. Yeah. So- You have to give them hope.
1: Yeah, I should change that. I have a couple pieces of information. I actually have two quotes today because it's Thanksgiving and I'm always thankful for my quotes. I'm going to start with the one that kind of builds on what we're saying. And it says behind every strong person, there is a story that gave them no choice.
0: Oh my God. Say that. That is so good. I know my, my four o'clock alarm
1: just went off behind every strong person. There is a story that gave them no choice. I love that. And then my next favorite one is I was thinking about a trait that I have that I'm grateful for, and I love learning. So, to build on my own personal story here, the quote that I chose for myself today was The man who loves walking will travel farther than the man who just loves the destination.
0: Oh, amen. It is the journey, not the destination.
1: Super grateful for this journey that we are on together. That I have you as my person,
0: friend, and mentor, and person. And I just you're my
1: person. You're all of it to me. I have a very hard time well, describing uh, who you are to me. You're just.
0: I'm very grateful. Me too. And the trait that I have that seems to me the best is keep on keeping on absolutely and those are the two things at the end of the seminar keep on keeping on and do good things yes and if you're not here to change the world why on earth are you here (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) very good so there i think there were some questions about the the australia course yes i'm going to be in australia i cannot wait we're going to be there in october 2023 I believe it's around the 25th, 26th, 27th, that the sports course is going to be there and it's intertwined with the core and the advanced. So I'm sure it's all on the frequenciespecific.com website. It's also on the FSM Sports 365 website too. Don't have the bandwidth to remember the dates though.
0: Go into the answered Q&A. Okay.
1: Kevin answered it, I believe. Okay. It has been answered live.
0: Okay. There we go. Yeah. And then after Australia, I'm going to Taiwan.
1: Of course you are,
0: but since you're there, might as well just join. Thank goodness, I found a flight. Qantas has a nonstop flight to Taiwan, so it's eight hours instead of 21 hours. That's the only way I suggest to Taiwan. And the other, speaking of being thankful, and I yes. know we're only two minutes late. That's I healthy. know that's fine it occurs to me to be thankful for all of the people who make our lives and what we do possible. Yes. And that includes, for me, the guy in the overalls that puts the fuel into the plane, right? And the guy that drives the tanker truck that puts the fuel in the tank so you can fill your car. Yes. And the checker in the grocery store and Kevin and Danielle and Wendy and Tom and Betty and you and Ben and Dave and all 5,000 practitioners in 23 countries. Yes. But when you start being grateful for everybody and you look at the layers and the chains of people that help everybody else live their lives. That's just extraordinary. Yes, it is. And everybody does the best they can at the time with what they've got. You're going to love that. that I got that. Yes, you're welcome.
1: Wonderful note to end on. Thank you, everybody listening, watching, who's been with us as long as we've been doing this. This has been an amazing amazing. ride.
0: That's amazing
1: amazing yes
0: wait it's been 63 that's more than a a year yes it's a year over a year yes it seems like every wow thank you so much for making it possible you and kevin i just show up.
1: hey this is the best hour of wednesday that's for sure
0: yeah all
1: right everybody thanks for coming enjoy your thanksgiving and we'll see you all next week see you next week
0: The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast
1: are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations.